I'm looking forward to sharing with you this morning about Away in a Manger. Um, there's a lot of different things we could look at in this song. Um, I'm not sure how much of it's theologically accurate, but it is somebody's idea of maybe what happened that night when Jesus was born. Um, I, I don't know... I don't know about you, but if my wife was about to have a baby and we were just rolling into town and I had not got a hotel, would you be in trouble, guys? Yes. I've seen some memes out there this year on Facebook about Mary kind of giving Joseph the silent treatment because he forgot to get a room. And now my baby's born in a barn, literally. I know a lot of you think you were born in a barn because your mom told you that your whole life. But Jesus actually was. Uh, so it's a great story. Uh, we don't know exactly, again, like a lot of these Christmas carols, we don't know who wrote it. Uh, there's a number of, it really came to prominence in the late 1800s through a Lutheran Sunday school. Uh, and so you can imagine there was some of this was oriented towards children, to help children connect with the idea that Jesus was a child once upon a time. And, and so that's interesting. The thing I want to focus in on today that is so important about what we sing in this song, and it's kind of a funny it kind of sounds funny if you stop and think about it. The little Lord Jesus. Little Lord Jesus. The little Lord Jesus. It, it's repeated in the song a number of times, and it's super important. And, I, and it, I wanted to begin to talk about the fact that Jesus is Lord. He didn't become Lord after he grew up. Jesus is Lord. Over 740 times in the New Testament, the, that's a lot, by the way, of anything, anything you would talk about being repeated in the Bible, 740 times in the New Testament is a lot. Drawing attention to the fact that Jesus is Lord. Thank you. I'm glad you're waking with me this morning. <clears throat> I want to turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. This angel has appeared to the shepherds and scares the daylights out of them. And then says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What does it mean that he is Christ the Lord? What does it mean that Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord in our politics. Jesus is Lord in our church. Jesus is Lord when I'm out shopping last minute for Christmas presents. Jesus is Lord while I'm finishing up my finals. What does it mean that Jesus is Lord, that he is the Christ? I want to start, like most nerds do with their messages, with looking at the Greek. And what does that mean? Christos kurios is what they would have said. What does it mean? Christ Lord. When they said this to the shepherds, when the angel revealed this message, they would have known exactly what he meant. If they had been educated in, their, in the Old Testament at all, they were anticipating that there would be a Christ, an anointed one. What does Christ mean? I hope, I hope if you're one of those people that uses, uh, uses the words Jesus Christ as a curse word that you never do again after you hear what I have to say to you today. It's one of the most cringing things I have ever heard. Because when you begin to realize what that really means, it's, it's very powerful words. Christ means anointed. It, it, the whole idea of being Christ comes from being anointed. And what did it mean to be anointed? What does it mean to be anointed? 
I joked today, my chair was missing this morning. I'm like, where's my chair? That's my anointed chair. That's a joke, by the way. But it, when, when someone was anointed, they were, they were um, set aside for a purpose. They were appointed and empowered. So, so he's anointed, he's the Messiah, he's divinely appointed and empowered. Today in the city of David, the anointed Messiah, divinely appointed and empowered, has been born. The one who's been prophesied about all of these years has been born. He's the Christ. But I want to focus more today on the word Lord. What does the word Lord really mean? Now, I think we probably ended up with the word Lord probably because of some of the English translations and things like that. I'm not sure. I mean, we don't have lords and ladies anymore in our society, right? But if you, but a lord would have been somebody who owned the land and oversaw the property and was the controller of the business or the property. The word lord, out of the original Greek, really means the one who is exercising absolute rights, complete ownership, total authority. So if you worked for a Lord, they were the boss. The Lord means boss. How about that? Even more than that, more authority than just in your occupation, but authority over your life. Christ, the anointed, empowered, divinely positioned boss. Lord, master, owner, controller, How many of you know that whoever holds the controller is the boss? And there will be a fight this afternoon at your house over who holds the control. Not in my house, because I have control. And I literally hold the control because I'm going to watch football this afternoon. And nobody's going to stop me. How many of you like being in control? I mean, some of us are like, I don't care. But some people are like, I definitely like to be in control. Okay, let me give you a scenario where I like to be in control. How many of you have walked, through your children, walked with your children through driver's ed? How many of you are looking forward to that in your future? Huh? Got little kids looking forward to teach? I, fe- I think I probably almost put my foot through the passenger floorboard imaginary break. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, there are moments I wish I was in control of that vehicle. And this kid who I just yesterday was changing their diapers, is now driving this car. I'm out of control. I want to control things. I want to control the Christmas plans. I want to control the money. I want to control the schedule. I want to control my decisions. I'm my own boss. I have a society all around me every day that's telling me that I can be whatever I want to be, and so I'm going to do that because I'm the Lord. I'm the boss. I'm the absolute controller. It's my absolute right. Nobody tells me what to do. And I wonder this morning, do you really believe that Jesus is Lord? Is Jesus Lord? In Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, Paul talks about this. And being found in human form, he humbled himself to becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord. The anointed, empowered Jesus, the anointed, empowered Messiah is the boss. To the glory of God the Father. Jesus is Lord. A lot of times as Christians, we talk about what it means to be saved or what it means to become a Christian, and we say, you make Jesus Lord. And I understand that language. It just kind of started to occur to me this week that actually Jesus is Lord whether I make him Lord or not. See, Jesus has invited us a day... This is going to be, okay, next week is Christmas, and you know it's probably going to be a nice message, right? I'm probably going to be nice because you're going to bring your friends, right? So I figured maybe I should hit you a little bit harder this week. Are you okay with a little bit of hard reality today? Is that going to be okay with you? I might make you a little uncomfortable, and I I don't apologize for it, but I empathize with your situation. Okay. (laughs) We, we, We invite people to make Jesus Lord, but Jesus is Lord. He will judge the living and the dead. He will determine the eternal destination of every human that has ever existed. He is Lord, and the day will come. I I can imagine, I don't know exactly how this will play out, but when Jesus returns, I just expect that everybody's going to go, oh, shoot. He is the Lord. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I would encourage you to do that now and not later. Jesus has invited us to engage in relationship with him in his kingdom and submit to his lordship now that he can bring transformation into our lives. And when the day comes and, and he returns and he judges the living and the dead, we hope to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. I kind of just hope he just said, well, you got in by the skin of your teeth, but you're all right. Like, come on. No, Jesus is inviting us to participate in his kingdom now. The idea of kingdom isn't really solid in our minds, but I bet if we lived in a nation who had a king, we'd understand it even a little more than we do now. See, we we kicked the king out, King George, but there is a reality that there is an actual king, and he is Jesus. The Bible says he will rule the nations with an iron scepter. He will be powerful. That little Lord Jesus, nice soft music and the baby, and he doesn't even cry when the cows moo, you know. Did Jesus cry? I think he had to have. I don't know, maybe he he just, uh, hey, Mary, my diaper's full. Would you please come change it? I don't know. What was he like? I've had all week to think about this. That's why these random thoughts are coming into my mind. Did he cry? Was he like the best baby ever? I just talked to a family this morning who's on their third baby, and he, he's been the easiest so far. Uh, and that was our, and no offense to my older girls, but our son was probably the easiest baby. Maybe Jesus was the easiest baby ever. He's the Lord, the King. When we sing about the baby, don't forget how powerful and important that baby is. So when we when Jesus is, what does it mean to submit to his lordship? We completely give up, we surrender, we relinquish control, and we say, I'm not the controller anymore, I'm not the Lord, I'm not God, you are. I want to submit to your way because you're better at it than me. You, the life lived in Christ is more fruitful than the life I could ever invent and work towards on my own. So I want to surrender, I'll give over lordship, I'll give over control, I'll give over the decision making to you and surrender to you Lord, 
Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do, and not do what I tell you? Do you know who said this? Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6. Why do you call me Lord, but then you don't, you don't treat me like Lord? You don't give me any control in your life. You don't obey what I've commanded you. Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? That doesn't make any sense. It's not a title, just a title. It really means something. It has depth and meaning. We do this sometimes. I, we, listen, I, I love grace. Okay, grace is a beautiful, wonderful thing. The idea that I make mistakes and God forgives me. The idea that God loves me no matter what I've done. But I think sometimes we get in this position of thinking that grace means that I still get to be Lord. And God will let me by. That's not what grace is. So I can go ahead and do whatever I deem right and wrong are. And misbehave however I want. And I'm going to chalk it up as the grace of God. That's not making Jesus Lord. That's a wrong understanding of what grace is. I love grace. So as I'm talking about this today, understand that every one of us in this room have areas of our lives that we need to continue to surrender to the Lord. Give up control. There ought to be a little bit of conviction in all of our hearts because we're all on a journey of growing closer to the Lord and giving Him lordship. Why do you call me Lord, but then don't do what I say? Because I want to be in control. I want to do what I want. I feel like maybe I'm better suited to decide than God is. Right? I'm not even sure he hears me sometimes. And what if he doesn't tell me what I should do in this situation? And ah, all this stuff. I want to be God. It's something that I find in my prayer life fairly regularly. Just did it yesterday. I was out, on, out walking and praying and, and I, I have to tell myself, my brain's not God. My brain will, like, try and take over my life and tell me everything I should do and how I should do it and when it ought to be done and then cuss me out because it's not done. And sometimes I have to go, brain, shut up. You're not God. He is God. I'm surrendering my mind to God. I, I, this was a long, long time ago, but I, was, I think I was 20. I don't think we were married yet. And I was the boss of my money from my $7.49 an hour position at the lumber yard. That's my money. I'm a single dad. God can't tell me what to do with my money. I need to survive. But I had to surrender that. And I began, for me, it was tithing. I believe in tithing. I believe the scripture is very clear about that. And I know a lot of people disagree with that, but I think it's there, and I think it's very important. And I was about 20 years old, and I decided with my $7.50 an hour that I'm going to tithe. How many of you know 10% of $7.50 is 75 cents? That's a lot of money every hour when you're poor. I surrendered to the Lordship, and guess who's provided my entire life? God. I'm not my provider anymore. It doesn't mean I like live fat on the hog all the time, high on the hog. God provides. I trust Him with that through the high and the low. I've surrendered that part of my life. I wonder today as I'm talking about lordship and you are considering the issues of your own life, what do you feel like God's laying hold of in your life and going, I want to be Lord here. And then for some of us it's harder. We feel like God's going, let me be Lord there. That's not because 
Let me be Lord there. You're my son. You're my daughter. I actually know what's best for you. I know how to bring you life and life abundantly. Surrender that to me. Let me be the boss, the controller, the one who exercises the rights in the decisions you make in the life that you live. Surrender to him. Give up that ownership and let him be in control. So we give God some things, but not all things. Well, I'll give God Sunday mornings, but I'm definitely not giving him Friday and Saturday nights. Those are mine for sure. You know, God wants me to forgive my enemy, but I'm not going to forgive that person. They were so rude. They're so mean. They damaged me. I'm actually traumatized by that person. There's no way I'm going to forgive them. Can you imagine if I'm, I'm reading through my Bible and, you know, I, I look, oh, oh, man, what does Paul have to say? Oh, oh, because of sexual immorality, every husband should have his own wife and every wife her own husband and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. No, I don't believe that. Can you imagine if I start ripping pages out of this Bible right now? I actually watched the message where a guy did that. What would you do if I started ripping the page? He was making a point. Every time you read something in here where Jesus says, I'm the Lord, and you go, but not this, I rip it out. Crumple it up, throw it away. I am the boss. I decide. God wants me to forgive. I'm not doing it. Rip. He's not Lord there. And how many other areas of our life could that be? I'm, I'm a good kid. I went to youth camp this year. My parents don't need to know. I'm not surrendering that part of my life. I mean, everything from addiction, sexuality, beliefs, insecurities, provision, finance, get, you name it. All areas of our life that are meant to be surrendered, not partially surrendered, but fully surrendered to God. What about gossip? The Bible says, shouldn't be a gossip. I shouldn't gossip. It's destructive. It's toxic. Um, I should respect people in authority. Those guys, rip. No, not today. Do you hear what I'm getting at? Are you ripping pages out of your Bible and throwing them away because you don't like it? Because your culture tells you something that you'd rather believe? No, the Word of God is alive, it's active, it's eternal, it's truth. Yes, we have some interpretation issues that we have to work through. But do not. It's such an uh, arrogant, foolish risk to put yourself on the throne of your life and go, I'm, what? How did Satan fall? Many people believe that he said, I will ascend on high and I will be like the most high. And we're like, we wouldn't be that arrogant. And we do it every day. We joined in the same rebellion. I'm God. I'll be like God. I'm capable of deciding. Gossip, white lies, sexuality, he'll understand. He has grace. He does have grace. But he wants us to surrender those things to him so that he can transform us and lead us. Trust in yourself with all your heart and lean on your own understanding. In some of your ways, acknowledge him and you will make your path straight. Be wise in your own eyes. What version of the Bible is it? Come on, how many of you know that this is wrong? Good, it's wrong. This is the partially surrendered version of the Bible. Rather than the English standard, it's the partially surrendered. Trust in yourself. Honestly, this sounds like a, I could hear this in a TV commercial this afternoon. Trust in yourself. Make your own way. You can do it. You can be whatever you want to be. 
You can even change, you can even decide you're a different gender now. You can go totally whatever route you want. You don't have to be a gender. I mean, this is a sensitive subject. How many of you just started holding your breath when I went there? <gasps> He's going to say something. Be careful. Man, it's just amazing. Trust in yourself with all your heart. Lean on your own understanding. I mean, this is sarcastic. It's making a, a mockery, but it's what we do. What is the real version? Trust in the Lord. The Lord, the boss, the controller. Let him be the controller. Even if it's your TV remote, let him control it. He's better at it than you. Do not, and do not lean on your own understanding. When, when we're running into something where I'm like, I know that, that the Bible teaches that I should trust him, and I'm having a really hard time doing so in whatever arena of life that that is, there is a wrestling match. I don't want to pretend that that's easy. That's really hard. Depending on who you are and what your struggles are, it can be very hard. And there's a wrestling match where we, in faith, we're trying to trust him. We make mistakes and re grab control and get worried and anxious about things. Don't lean on your own understanding. Let it go and trust him that he knows better. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Such a powerful and important idea to recognize that I can't be wise in my own eyes. I'm setting myself up for destruction when I do that. What have I not surrendered? My kids, my health, my temper, my relationships, my financial issues. Maybe I'm lukewarm and I haven't really completely given control to him. I'm just halfway. I'm on the fence. I heard someone say the other day, the devil owns the fence. I'm like, huh, that's kind of funny. Jesus is not a part-time Lord and he's not looking for part-time followers. He's not part-time Lord. He is the Lord. Every knee will bow. That's powerful. I know some people that I'm going to be surprised if I actually see it, right? We know how stubborn we can be, and, and yet every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. We want to be fully surrendered. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. Total countercultural message here. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or we die... We are the Lord's. Reminds me of one of my favorites that I quote to you all the time from Job. Even if he kills me, I trust him. Though he slay me, I trust him. Even if it costs me my life. Like that doesn't flow with a normal everyday human understanding, right? Whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be the, there it is, key word, Lord not only of the living, but of the dead as well. See, that little Lord Jesus isn't just a human king. He's the supernatural Lord. He's over all demonic and angelic forces. He's over all humanity. He is the supreme ruler of the universe, visible and invisible. I don't know how to say powerful emphatically enough to tell you how much Lord he is Lord. <laughs> Why do you pass judgment on your brother? 
or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. This is one of the scariest passages in the Bible. So here's the thing. Do you let Jesus exercise ownership in your life? Do you belong to him, as the scripture says? We are his. Whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. How many of you are wearing one of these? Some of you just put them on. Some of you are putting them on in a few weeks. Congratulations. Not even a few weeks, a few days at this point. Now, I could joke about ownership here and make people uncomfortable because of the strange uh, cultural environment we live in. But I belong to my wife. She belongs to me. Not an oppressive slavery kind of way. We've pledged our lives to each other. Till death do we part. I mean, I, got, I, wear this, I wear this ring to tell everybody I belong to somebody. I mean, I have to wear it at the gym. Otherwise, I'd be getting hit on all the time, right? <laughs> I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. That's a joke. I don't even go to the gym. So... But it's why we do it, right? Maybe not that. But we're letting the world know, I've pledged myself in covenant to a woman or a man. And, and we belong to one another. The Bible says we, we, we have authority over one, another, one another's bodies even. I refer to that in, in 1 Corinthians. I think it might be chapter 7. Paul says the husband doesn't have authority over his own body. And the wife doesn't have authority over... You do not get to go home and abuse that scripture today, by the way. Well, Jar said, I have authority over you today. That's not what it means. And it's the same with Jesus. It's a covenant. It's a covenant relationship where he has pledged himself to you. And you are bound to him. And he has authority and ownership in your life. But he's invited you to partner with, with him in his adventures. He didn't just make you a slave. He made you a son. Or a daughter, an owner in his business, in his kingdom, to rule and reign with him, even now. That is powerful. That is good news. And Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Maybe we're too casual sometimes. Oh, Jesus is my friend. Yes, Jesus is your friend. But don't forget your friend could have your head as well. Right? If you're friends with the king, you respect that. They're powerful. You respect their position of authority. You respect what they instruct you to do. Why do we not surrender? I think, I think a lot of not surrendering has to do with we don't really know him. We have this picture of who God is or this picture of Jesus, and maybe it's not entirely accurate. And we don't trust him. I mean, the finances is a great example. It's a very practical example of surrender. When I choose to give when God challenges me to give and the math doesn't always add up, I'm not encouraging foolish stewardship. Don't misunderstand me. But there is a point where you just go, I'm not my provider. I work hard. I try to be smart. I want to make money, et cetera, et cetera. That's fine. But understand who it all really comes from. 
so you can trust him. So if you lose your job or you're going through a difficult time, can you really trust him? And then we question, does he actually care about me? Does he actually love me? Will he actually forgive me? Will he actually make my path straight? I'm having a hard time believing that. But if you, if you learn to know Jesus, it's not just knowing about because J.R. preached about it. It's about prayer. It's about recognizing the Holy Spirit lives in you and is stirring you and pushing you and speaking to you. It's about knowing who God is, and your trust grows, and your understanding of his love and compassion for you grows, and you, keep, you start going down this journey where I'm actually better off surrendering everything to you. That's where we need to find ourselves. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then he will declare to them, I never knew you. These could be the scariest words in all the Bible. Don't call me Lord and not do what I'm asking you to do because then I'm not really Lord. And many will think, I, sure, I did the stuff. I went to church on Christmas and Easter and I you know, I, I gave a few bucks one time in the plate when I went, he's the Lord. It's deeper than that, isn't it? It's a full surrender. And no, no matter where you're at in that journey, it's not my intention to mock you or tease you in that at all today. But just take the next step of surrender. Whatever the next step of surrender is for you, take it. Whatever God is stirring in your heart to surrender to him today, take it. There's a big difference between calling him, just calling him Lord and actually surrendering him. We, we looked at this passage last week when I spoke that where it says, you believe God is one, good. Even demons believe and shudder. Why, if demons believe in God, how come they don't go to heaven? Because they're not surrendered to him. They've rebelled. They're not staying aligned to him. They're not making him Lord. He is the Lord. That's important for us. I want to respond this morning Let's just take a moment and ask you the question, is there a part of your life, even as I'm speaking today, that you feel like I've got to surrender this to the Lord? It could be as simple as, um, you know, some, some little thing that you've been worrying about, or it could be as big as a lifelong addiction that you've been dealing with. I'm just going to challenge you this morning to be bold and in faith. I want you to stand right where you are and say, I have something I need to surrender. I'm not going to ask you what it is, but we're going to pray for you. Would any of you today want to stand right where you are Say, there's, there's things I want to surrender, more I want to surrender to the Lord. There you go, good. Anybody else? Yep, go on. Let's give it up. Whatever it is, Lord, you're the boss. You're the boss. I'm going to surrender these things to you. Here's what I want to do this morning. First of all, I want to commend you for being brave. Faith requires action. Something is stirred in your heart through the words today. And now you've taken a step of action. That's what faith is. It's belief in action. I'm going to trust God right now as we pray for the Holy Spirit to come in power and move in your life and encourage you and strengthen you this morning. God, we come before you, Lord. I thank you for my friends who have responded today. My brothers and sisters in Christ who are wanting to surrender more of their lives to you, to make you the Lord in whatever area they're thinking about. God, you know every intricate detail of their lives. Lord, you knew them when they were babies. You've seen every decision. You've seen every terrible experience. You've seen every good day and bad day. God, you know right where they are. Lord, I pray you would meet them in power right now. 
Lord, to surrender completely whatever it is to put you on the throne in that part of their life. Lord, I just thank you. I pray a blessing upon each one today. I thank you for their obedience. I thank you for their faithfulness. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage and strengthen their hearts today as they go from this place. Walking in new strength, walking in a deeper level of trust with you. In whatever area, Lord, I pray a blessing on them now in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give these guys a hand this morning that stood up? That's going to wrap it up for us this morning. If you would like to receive further prayer, you can meet with our prayer team right over here on my left. They'd love to pray with you. If you can stick around, I want to encourage you to stick around in fellowship, but we're also going to be stacking these chairs four high, and uh, we'll, we'll be going from there. So if you can help with that, that'd be great. You guys have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you back here on Christmas Eve, 10 a.m. next Sunday.